given me a message for this moment, and um, I don't know exactly how it's all going to go, and but we're just, we're just, will you just let the Lord speak to you today? Just let the word of the Lord speak to you, and I believe God's going to help us. Amen. I want to talk today on this subject, restore us again. Restore us again. Amen. Got a great burden resting upon my heart today for this message, and we're just going to have the Lord. He's going to help us today. He's going to speak to hearts. Amen. Restore us again. God bless you. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I don't uh, preach what I preach today because of who here of who is here or because of who's not here, but as a preacher of the word, it's incumbent upon me to preach what I feel the Lord has directed me to preach. So I'll strive to do so today. For the last several services, the Lord has been talking to us about this man, this king by the name of Hezekiah. Now, if you have not been here the last several services, that's fine. You, This message will make sense to you, uh, irregardless of the fact that you have maybe haven't been able to be here the last couple of services. This message today will stand alone and speak to those of us that are in the room today. But his name was Hezekiah. Let me just tell you a little bit about the life of Hezekiah. I want to I try to speak quickly. I do have a few things I feel the Lord would want to speak to us about today, but Hezekiah's father was an ungodly man by the name of Ahaz. Ahaz defiled the house of God. Ahaz defied the God of the house. Ahaz worshipped other gods. Because of Ahaz's lack, now this is again Hezekiah's dad we're talking about, Ahaz. Because of Ahaz's lack of desire to worship the one true God, Ahaz eventually in his wickedness and his sinful state, he shuts down the temple so that nobody else could go and worship the Lord in the temple. Ahaz was such a, an ungodly man that he closes down the whole temple. That was the father of Hezekiah. But his mother was a little bit different story. The book would say it like this in 2 Chronicles chapter 29 and verse 1. Hezekiah began to reign when he was 5 and 20 years old, and he reigned 9 and 20 years in Jerusalem. And now watch it. And his mother's name was Abijah, the daughter of Zechariah. How many are going to stay with me and think with me here today? So you have it. Zechariah and his father is, or, or Hezekiah and his father is Ahaz, the wicked man. And now we find out his mother, and his, his mother's name was Abijah. And she was the daughter of Zechariah. There, there won't be a test on these names at the end, but we'll try to keep them all straight. And the Bible says in verse 2, 2 Chronicles chapter 29 and verse 2, and it says, And he, speaking of Hezekiah, he did that which was right. In the sight of the Lord. Hezekiah. Now how was it? The question is, as I began to dig out this text and study out these verses, how was it that with such an ungodly father, 
How was it that Hezekiah would have an inward desire and a spiritual knowledge to do right in the sight of the Lord? How was it that Hezekiah would desire to serve the Lord when his father only modeled to him that which was contrary to the things of the Lord? And the reason I believe it was is because of Hezekiah's mother. I know this is Father's Day, but we're just going to preach what God wants us to preach. The reason I believe is because of Hezekiah's mother, whose name was Abijah. Abijah must have been a godly mother. In fact, the name Abijah means a worshiper of Jehovah. And we get a small glimpse into the life of Abijah, Hezekiah's mom, this worshiper of Jehovah. We get a small glimpse into maybe what her childhood may have looked like when we read this about her father, again, whose name was Zechariah. The Bible says in 2 Chronicles chapter 26 and verse 5, And he sought God in the days of Zechariah, who had an understanding in the visions of God. Now watch, speaking of Zechariah, the Bible says, And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. When you read the life of Zechariah, you'll find that he was not a very good man at all. He was not a very godly man at all. But here we find that he had some glimpses of godliness in his life. And in those brief moments of obedience towards the Lord, the Bible says that the Lord would cause him to prosper. And you just have to believe, you just have to believe that his daughter, Abijah, must have seen this as she was growing up in that household. She must have seen the times when her daddy was obedient to the Lord and the blessings of God would come upon their house. And she also would see when her daddy was disobedient to the things of God and the blessings of the Lord would be withheld from their house. And you just got to know that these lessons must have stuck with her. These lessons of seeing this. How many know kids recognize a whole lot more than what we think they recognize? And so... She's learning and she's putting two and two together and she's seeing obedience equals the blessings of God and disobedience causes the blessings to be withheld from the family and these lessons stuck in her spirit. And now she gets a little older and she gets married to this man by the name of Ahaz and she has a son of her own and she names him Hezekiah. For the name Hezekiah means whom Jehovah has strengthened for she knew enough about the Lord to know that if she would teach her boy the things of the Lord that the Lord would be his strength and yes she's married to a disobedient and an ungodly Ahaz and yet that does not stop her from training up her child and her young son in the things of the Lord his father would model unfaithfulness, but his mother would model 
faithfulness. His father would attach no importance whatsoever to the house of God, but his mother would instill into him a love for the things of God. His father would put self first and do that which was pleasing in his own flesh. But his mother would show Hezekiah what it means to put the things of God first in your life. And so Hezekiah began his kingship by doing right in the sight of the Lord. And the Bible gives an example of this when it says, 2 Chronicles chapter 29 and verse 2. Thank you for staying with me here now. 2 Chronicles chapter 29 and verse 2. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord according to all that David his father had done. He in the first year of his reign in the first month opened the doors of the house of the Lord and he repaired them. And we talked a little bit about this a couple of weeks ago but the Lord has given me a little bit further revelation, but here we see and get the picture now. His father Ahaz had completely destroyed the house of the Lord. His father Ahaz had destroyed the temple of God. So much so that when the Lord had originally given the pattern for how he wanted the temple to be built, he had instructed them to cover the doors of the temple with gold. And yet Ahaz, Hezekiah's daddy, was such an ungodly man and he had such a lack of the fear of God within him that he allowed for the temple doors to be stripped of the gold that was upon them so that he could use it for his own private purpose. And that's why his son, Hezekiah, had to repair them back to the condition that God had originally planned and established for them to be. So it was, now watch, so it was that the very first thing we find Hezekiah doing as he became the king was to repair the doors back of the temple. The first order of business for Hezekiah when he got to become the king was to personally go down to the temple and to once again overlay the doors with gold as God had decreed it to be. Stay with me, I'm going somewhere. The first thing he wanted to do was to restore back to back that which sin had stripped from God's house. So here we find Hezekiah raised by an ungodly father and a godly mother. And here we find that restoration is attached to his life. Here we find that there is something within him that desires to make right what was wrong. Here we find him in the beginning portion of his kingship desiring to please the Lord with his actions and to do that which was pleasing in the sight of the Lord. The temple hadn't been opened in such a long time, but Hezekiah desires to open it. Sin had brought about such a reproach on the people of God, but there's something within Hezekiah that wants to change. Hezekiah, your mama instilled something into you at a young age that is causing you to want to bring back 
and restore back a people and a nation back into right standing with the Lord. Hezekiah, there's a call of God upon your life. Hezekiah, the hand of the Lord is upon your life. Hezekiah, the Lord has placed you in this time for such a time as this and for this very purpose. Hezekiah, rebuild those temple doors. Purify the temple of its filthiness that is within Hezekiah. Allow God to use you to restore that which sin has destroyed. Hezekiah, the nation has been waiting for somebody like you. Hezekiah, hurting people have been crying out for somebody like you. Hezekiah, lives are going to be changed because of your willingness to bring about Restoration. And you start it all, Hezekiah, stay with me. You start it all by restoring the gates of the temple. When you overlay them with gold, as it was originally patterned by God, in this first act as king, it would be indicative of the call of God that is upon your life. For it was way more than just about doors and gold. But it was an outward example of an inward calling. For it was a calling that is upon your life to bring about restoration in the lives and hearts of a wayward people. And such was the beginning of Hezekiah's kingship. But time moves on. And day follows day. And the circumstances of life come Hezekiah's way, just like they come to all of us. And so it was that life began to get a little bit more complicated for Hezekiah. Life began to get a little bit more challenging for Hezekiah, for it was that the enemy of his soul began to work in his life. The adversary of his soul began to look for a way to bring Hezekiah down. And so it was that there was a day that unfolded in the life of Hezekiah when he found himself surrounded by an enemy whose intention it was to destroy him. We find the, old, the story in the Old Testament book of 2 Kings chapter 18 and verse 13. The Bible says this, now in the 14th year of King Hezekiah did Sennacherib, king of Assyria, come up against all the fenced cities of Judah and took them. So now here we find this adversary by the name of Sennacherib who has come up to do battle against Hezekiah and the land that Hezekiah would rule over. Right now, now, now the enemy was just on the outer perimeter in the fenced cities, just the outer perimeter of the land. And he's conquering all of these small towns on the outskirts of the nation. And yet, it was Sennacherib's intention to fully destroy the entire land. And this makes total sense when you learn what the name Sennacherib means. For his name literally means sin. And sin. 
man always starts on the perimeters of our living. But it is in, has an intention to eventually bring about destruction to all that we are. Sin looks for any open door that it can find. Sin looks for just that one area in our life where our guard is down. Sin looks for that precise moment when we are weak to attempt his work. For he knows that he can't come right into the heart of who we are without first working his way to that point. So sin begins to accomplish his work as we give into it. A little here, and a little here, and a little here. Sin knows it would be foolish to attack us at our core, for there is too much God at the core at this moment. And the voice of our godly mother is still speaking in our minds. Hezekiah, so slowly Sennacherib begins to work from the outside. Slowly, almost imperceptibly, he begins to conquer that small area of our life and then that small area of our life. And he begins to deceive us into believing and giving in to that area of our living because he knows that once we create a culture of compromise... He knows that once we create a culture of compromise, then it will only be a matter of time until we start compromising bigger things and then bigger things and then bigger things. Giving up a little here and giving up a little there because he knows that if we'll give up this, then we'll eventually give up this. And if we give up those things, we'll eventually give up something that has a whole lot more meaning to it. If he can trick us with the small things and what may seem to be insignificant at the moment if he can give us to believe what seems like a lie that is almost inconsequential then he knows that it'll be just a matter of time until we will begin to believe the bigger lies and the bigger lies and with those lies come bigger and more deadly consequences so Sennacherib sin is beginning to chip away, Sister Vera, at the life of Hezekiah. This great purpose of restoration is still attached to his life. The hand of the Lord is still upon him. The voice of his godly mama is still echoing in his ears. But now he has allowed sin to get a foothold in his life. At first knowledge of this impending adversary in his domain, Hezekiah should have cried out to the Lord. Fight my battle for me, God. That's what he should have done. But he didn't. He allowed it to gain a foothold in his life. When he did not eradicate it immediately from his living and allowed it to hang around, that was his first mistake. And now the stranglehold of sin begins to constrict tighter and tighter around his life. And the pressure of sin is growing more insidious by the day. 
For the door has been opened and sin will never be content to just stay on the outskirts of our lives. Sin is never satisfied to just inconvenience us. For this book says he has come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. If you think you can open the door to sin and still keep him at arm's length, you better think again. If you think you can crack open the door to sin in just one area of your life, but keep him out of all the other areas of your life, then you do not know how the adversary of your soul is working within you to destroy everything beautiful. For he's out to destroy us. He's out to destroy your calling. He's out to destroy your family. He's out to destroy your soul. He's not content to steal only a little bit for it is his desire to steal everything precious and good that we currently possess. So here we find the noose of sin growing tighter around the life of Hezekiah until it eventually gets him to the place where he makes a terrible decision. And here's the decision that he made. 2 Kings chapter 18 and verse 14. And Hezekiah, king of Judah, sent to Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, to Lachish, saying this. So Hezekiah sends word to send to Sennacherib, and he says this. I have offended. Now watch, he says, return from me. That which thou puttest on me will I bear. The same Hezekiah who was raised by a godly mother, the same Hezekiah who had repaired the temple doors, the same Hezekiah who had ministry purpose attached to his life for restoration in the lives and hearts of the people of God is now bartering with sin to see what do I have to pay you to leave me alone. Sin has now gotten to the heart of Hezekiah. Sin has gotten to where Hezekiah really lives. Sin is now has a stranglehold on the thoughts and the intents and the emotions of Hezekiah. And now Hezekiah just wants him to leave me alone. I didn't know it was going to look like this. I thought it was going to be funny games. I didn't know. It was going to turn out like this. Now, I just want you to leave me alone. He sees now the destruction that's causing in his life. He sees now the greater potential damage that is heading his way. He's suffocating under the pressure that sin has placed upon his life. And he just wants sin to leave him alone. So he asks Sennacherib, He asks sin, he says, how much would I have to pay you? What do I have to give you? What will you take from me to just leave me alone? And sin's response was this. 2 Kings chapter 18 and verse 14. And Hezekiah, king of Judah, sent to Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, to Lachish, saying, I have offended. Return from me. Please leave me alone. 
that which thou puttest on me will I bear. In other words, however much you ask me to pay, I will pay if you'll just leave me alone. And the king of Assyria, Sennacherib, sin, appointed unto Hezekiah, king of Judah, and said, I'll tell you what the price is. The price will be 300 talents of silver and 30 talents of gold. To the best I could figure, 300 talents of silver and 30 talents of gold would be the equivalent in today's currency of somewhere between 1.5 and 2 million dollars. For the price of sin is always expensive. And it will cost you most everything that you and sin is never satisfied until it has taken from you everything that it can take. So sin screams at Hezekiah. If you can come up with that payment, if you are willing to part with that amount of cost, I'll leave. And the next verse says this, 2 Kings chapter 18 and verse 15. And Hezekiah gave him all the silver that was found in the house of the Lord. And he gave him all the treasures of the king's house. So here we find Hezekiah and the price of sin is so great upon his life. And we find him going into the house of the Lord and he takes out from the house of the Lord everything of value that he could find. And then he goes into his own house, the king's house, and the house of the king and he takes from it everything of value that he could possibly find and he lays it all down and he gets his counters together and his men with the financial brains together and he begins to ask them to weigh it all out and count it all up and figure it all out. How much does this represent? How much is all of this worth? And he surveys all of its wealth that is in front of him and he values it and they count it all up and they Realize it's not enough. It's not enough. King Hezekiah, it's not enough for what sin is asking. And it's then that he realizes he's a little bit short. And his mind begins to whirl. Where can I possibly find something else of value? that I can add to this payment to bring it to the cost and the price that sin is asking me to pay. And I just have to wonder, Sister Kelly, that when the thought first entered his mind, I'm positive of the fact that it repulsed him to even think the thought. He revolted at the very thought of what he was going through his mind. But the request of sin was weighing him down. The pressure from Sennacherib was becoming so all-encompassing in his life. The strain of sinfulness was pushing him to his very breaking point. And so it was that he then overrides the voice of God in his life. And he overrides the voice of his godly mama in his head. And he leaves his house. And he painfully and he slowly with head down 
takes that well-worn path back to the temple. And it's not because there was something in the temple of value in some room somewhere, some closet somewhere that he had forgot about. It's not that at all. In fact, in order to find what he's looking for, he doesn't even have to go into the temple. For what he's looking for is at the doors. The next verse in our story says that this is what Hezekiah does. 2 Kings 18 and verse 16. And that time did Hezekiah. Cut off the gold from the doors of the temple and from the pillars which Hezekiah, the same Hezekiah, king of Judah, had at one point overlaid. And he gave that gold, added it with everything else, and he gave it to the king of Assyria. Hezekiah surrendered to sin Hezekiah surrendered to the adversary of his soul the very thing that represented God's purpose in his life. For it was just a few years prior that we find him at those same doors bringing about restoration to that which God had originally intended. Hezekiah, the hand of the Lord is upon you to restore that which the enemy has taken from you. But now, because of sin, we find you back at those very same doors. But now you're stripping them of everything that you had once restored back to. Hezekiah, you are literally relinquishing to sin the very calling of God that is upon your life. Hezekiah, you're ripping apart the very thing that was instilled to you all those years ago. You are destroying your very purpose because of the sin that is around you. So... After ripping the gold off the doors, he puts it with everything else and he gives it to Sennacherib. But here's what you have to know about sin. For not only does it want to take from us everything that is precious, but it will also every single time lie to us. For the very next verse after he's done all of this, the very next verse says this, 2 Kings chapter 18 and verse 17. And the king of Assyria, Sennacherib, sin, after he gets $1.52 million from Hezekiah. Very next verse, he sends Tartan and Rapsuris and Rapshika from Lashes to the king Hezekiah with a great host against Jerusalem. So here we see that after Hezekiah had sacrificed everything that was precious to him. Are you still with me today? 
after he had sacrificed everything that was precious to him, Sennacherib still sends a great host of warriors to do battle against Hezekiah. Hezekiah, you gave it all up for nothing. You sacrificed everything you had for nothing. Hezekiah, the enemy of your soul has stolen everything from you and it has given you nothing of value in return at all. Hezekiah, you sacrificed your ministry. Hezekiah, you sacrificed your God-given purpose and you got absolutely nothing in return. So Hezekiah, what are you going to do? What are you going to do, Hezekiah? And it's here what I just have to believe that through the chaos that was surrounding him, through the tears that were no doubt streaking down his face, through the turmoil that was raging within his spirit and his soul, I just have to believe it was in that moment that a voice, a voice of a godly mother whispered in his ear. She's probably gone by this time, but still the words echo into his brain. Go back to the house of the Lord. What are you going to do, Hezekiah? You've lost it all. You've lost your ministry. You've lost your purpose. You've sacrificed it all, and you've got nothing in return. What are you going to do? Go back to the house of the Lord. Hezekiah, I know you've stripped from that very same house everything of value that it had to give to you at one point, but that does not have the ability to keep you from going back. Hezekiah, yes, you're going to have to walk through those same doors that just a little while ago you destroyed, but that does not have the ability to keep you from going Hezekiah, I know you made some mistakes. I know you failed in some areas. I know there are some things you wish you could have done differently. I know sin has wreaked havoc in your life and your ministry and your God-given purpose, but those failures do not have to be final if you'll make your way back to the house of the Lord. The failures of your yesterdays don't have to define the rest of your tomorrows. The sad saga of days gone by don't have the power to hold you down if you'll just make your way back to the house of the Lord. And it's there. And we read now 2 Kings chapter 19 and verse 1. And it came to pass when King Hezekiah heard it, he heard that they had sent these warriors to come to him after he had given them everything that he had. He hears it. He rends his clothes. He covers himself with sackcloth. And he went into the house of the Lord. No. No, he didn't come with pride. He didn't come with an arrogance like he hadn't done anything wrong. He didn't come with a facade, pretending to be something that he wasn't. No, he rent his clothes. He covered himself in sackcloth, which was an outward display of an inward repentant heart before the Lord. 
He didn't care who saw him. Stay with me. I'm close. Hurry into a close. He didn't care who saw him. He didn't care what they might say. He was sincerely coming before the Lord, his God. But you're the one who stripped the gold off the doors. But you're the one who sacrificed everything in this temple. This temple had so much to offer you, Hezekiah, and you wasted it all. You wasted every opportunity this house had to offer you. You wasted it. Why are you back? Why are you sitting here? What right do you have to believe that you can make your way back into this very place that you at one time disregarded? with all that is within you. He said, I don't care what anybody may think. I don't care what anybody may say. I've got to get back to the house of the Lord. And he gets back. Second Kings chapter 19 and verse 15. And Hezekiah, he prays. Can you imagine going through those doors? I was just here stripping these off. But now I'm coming back through them. And he prays. And he says, 2 Kings 19 and 15, And Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, O Lord God of Israel, which dwellest between the cherubims, thou art the God, even thou alone. Of all the kingdoms of the earth, thou hast made the heavens and the earth. In other words, God, I've made some mistakes. I've allowed some things into my life that should have never been. I have forsaken my calling. I have forsaken my purpose for what you have called me to fulfill. But on this day, Lord... I want it to be known that I am turning aside from everything else and I am once again making you God of my life. You are God and God alone in my life. And then he prays this, 2 Kings 19 and verse 19. Now therefore, O Lord our God, I beseech thee, save thou us out of his hand. Talking about sin. Save us out of Sennacherib's hand. That all the kingdoms of the earth may know that thou art the Lord God, even thou only. Hear me. Again, he was not sugarcoating anything. For he knew just how desperately he needed the Lord. He knew he could not save himself. He knew he could not fix the mess that he could found himself in. He knew he could not extricate himself from the trouble that was surrounding him on our side. So he cries out with the Lord, to the Lord with all sincerity and with all honesty and with all desperation. God, I need you to save me. I need you to save me. I can't do it. I thought I could do it. I thought I could fix what sin was doing in my life. I thought I could make a way out of all the trouble, but I just can't. I need your help, God. And the Lord's response was this, 2 Kings 19 and verse 20. Then Isaiah, the son of Amos, sent to Hezekiah, saying, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, that which thou hast prayed to me against second, uh, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, I... <laughs>
Hezekiah, you made a lot of mistakes, but the Lord wants you to understand something. He still hears your cry when you cry. You thought it was over, Hezekiah. You gave it all up, Hezekiah. The enemy took you from everything that it was, Hezekiah. You didn't know if it would ever happen, Hezekiah. But the Lord sent me to tell you, he still hears your cry. He still hears your prayer of repentance. He still hears your cry. Come on, somebody stand to your feet right now. Oh, He hears your cry. He hears your cry. And I just have to believe that there are some Hezekiahs in this room. Sin has caused some precious things to be stripped from you. Sin has caused some ministry callings to be stripped from you. Sin has caused you to wander down some paths that are dark and they've been lonely and they have caused you to get to a place of desperation wondering if you could ever make your way back home. But like Hezekiah, you are in the Lord's house today. Come on, there was something within you in the middle of all that was going on in your life. There was something within you that was whispering to you, go back to the Father's house. And you thought, you thought in your mind, can I go back with all the baggage? Can I go back with all the scars? Can I go back with all the pain? Can I go back with all that is going on in my life? I stripped everything that was good from God's house when I left it the first time. But I'm here to tell you, the word from the Lord for you today is this. God will still hear your cry. Come on, somebody lift up your voice right now. 